the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. The text for our meditation this morning are the words that were read for you earlier from our gospel reading. Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we can't imagine how much you loved us. That you sent Jesus to be the one who would take our place. And not only our place, but the place of all people. Even those who hated him. Even those who died on the cross. And it's not that anything that they have done or anything that we have done that is any better or any worse because it all comes to rebellion against you. And so we pray this day, help us to be thankful for your love and help us to see in the hatred and in the disobedience that we can even find ourselves. But we find love, we find forgiveness, in Jesus' death and in his resurrection for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, the theme for today is, what were they thinking? And as you heard me talk about earlier in the children's message, the whole question is, has anybody ever asked you, what were you thinking? And of course, I look back at myself and I know I have to say the very same thing. I've heard that question. What was I thinking? What was that group of girls thinking when they wrote those things, posted them on Facebook, so that the girl took her life? What were they thinking? Is a question I'm sure you have asked again and again when people come up with all sorts of crazy ideas, right? When people do things that we can't even begin to imagine will be positive. Most of those times seem to be negative. But there are times we can't begin to imagine how it could be a positive. But today... We're going to focus more on what were they thinking when they did something wrong. Now, I'd like you to take a look at this glass jar, these glass jars. Imagine them are either empty or half full or full. It doesn't really matter because there's an ancient Hebrew proverb that states the following. Should the stone fall on the jar, woe to the jar. Should the jar fall on the stone, woe to the jar. In either case, woe to the jar. I'd like you to think about what this Hebrew proverb was and what it meant to the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, as they heard Jesus tell this parable. <clears throat> and then, quote Psalm 118 and add his own explanation. In our text, we heard Pastor Dan read for us Jesus' words from Psalm 118, words that the scribes and the Pharisees knew very well. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. 
And then Jesus added these words, Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Now let's look at what Psalm 118 says. We just heard Psalm 118, verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And what follows are words that Jesus did not say, but those religious leaders knew them. Words that we will oftentimes quote on Easter as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. This is the Lord's doing. That the builders would reject the cornerstone, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We know this is messianic. In other words, we know that this is Jesus talking about himself, even though the scribes and the Pharisees did not want to believe it. So the question at hand is, how will the scribes and the Pharisees respond when Jesus speaks these words? Will they repent? Will they believe that he is the cornerstone who was sent by God to be their Lord and their Savior, their Messiah? And for us today, how will you respond? Will you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is this cornerstone that the builders rejected, that he is the promised Messiah, that he is the one who God sent into this world to die on the cross to pay for your sins. Because that's what it's all about. And does this message that Jesus gives to us today mean anything to you? Next week, we're going to be focusing on this triumphal procession of Jesus. As he rode into the city of Jerusalem, going down from the Mount of Olives, and the people were responding, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Words from the Old Testament. And then Jesus made his way down that Mount of Olives, and he looks at the city of Jerusalem and he weeps. As you remember the words that Pastor Dan shared with us a few weeks ago. Oh, I wish that I could just put you under my wings. But oh, you wouldn't let me. And then Jesus makes his way to the temple to the courtyard of the Gentiles. And there he sees those money changers. And he throws open their tables, flips them over. Cages, birds, animals, free. And he says, it's written, my house shall be a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of robbers. 
Newsflash. Jesus upset the people. They wanted him gone. And Jesus knew that. But what did Jesus do after he did all of that during Holy Week? He taught in the temple. The people came and asked him questions, and he taught them in the temple. And right before our text, we have a whole question about authority. And the people did not like what Jesus had to say. And Jesus then tells this parable. Jesus knew what was in their hearts. This parable about the wicked tenants of the vineyard. Those tenants of the vineyard were obviously greedy and covetous, violent people, and they were not ignorant of who the owner was. No, they knew who the owner was, but they didn't respect the owner. No, they wanted it to be their own. And so when the owner came, well, didn't come in the flesh, but he sent his servants who were just like him being there, to receive what was their due. They beat them. They sent them away. And the owner did not know what to do. But Jesus tells us what he did. And what the owner did is the climax of this parable, and it is the climax of our Christian story. Evil versus good. Wickedness versus goodness. For you see, the parable was truly the man who planted the vineyard was indeed the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, who sent his prophets, who sent them to the gates of Jerusalem, into the temple, but the wicked tenants, oh, those were the scribes and the other religious leaders. Those were the wicked kings who killed the servants of the Lord in the past. Prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel and Micah and Amos. The religious leaders should have known better. They should have heard God's words to repent and believe and serve the Lord. But instead, they did the opposite. They rejected the prophets, and in so doing, they rejected God, and God punished them for breaking the first commandment by acting as if the vineyard was their very own, as if the temple was their very own, as if Everything was their own. Instead of being the managers and the stewards who were taking care of what God had given to them and giving it back to God in thankfulness for the blessings that they had received, they instead held on to them. So when we hear these words, because we live on this side of the resurrection. We know that the story is all about Jesus. We know the story is all about those religious leaders 
who hate him. We know what Jesus is alluding to when he says, then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? And of course, we're thinking to ourselves, what was the Lord doing? What was he thinking? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. And as Jesus tells the people who were listening in the temple, and you imagine it's not just the scribes and the Pharisees, it's also ordinary people. They want to cry out and they say, oh no, no, owner of the vineyard, do not send your beloved son. They won't respect him. Look what they did to your servants. And so that's why when we hear this story, it's a story of God, of history. The Old Testament all coming together at a climax with the New Testament and what Jesus will do for us and for them and for all humanity. Have you ever wondered why? Why Jesus tells us this parable about those Scribes and the Pharisees as the wicked tenants, because that's really the story, isn't it? What were they thinking? Why would Jesus even say that this is what they were thinking? Because he knew, didn't he? He knew what was in their heart of hearts. That's why they said, this is the heir. Let's kill him so the inheritance will be ours. They threw him out the vineyard and killed him. What were they thinking? That it would be theirs? How could they be so foolish to think that the owner would not come and crush them, kill them? Well, it's possible, according to a commentary, that in the context of that day, they may have been able to think that when they saw the sun coming, that meant that the owner was dead. Therefore, they could, in fact, kill the sun, file for squatter's rights because they'd been in that land for so long that maybe, just maybe, it could become their own. Wow. The irony behind this whole thing is that the chief priests and the scribes wanted to kill Jesus because they wanted to keep their inheritance, what they believed was theirs. In truth, that Jesus came to give them an inheritance, to give you an inheritance, to give me an inheritance. But this inheritance is not something that we receive that has monetary value. This inheritance has spiritual value and has lasting, eternal benefits. For Jesus came to die for you. He came to die for me. 
It's easy for us to look at the scribes and the Pharisees and blame them and say they are wicked people. But it was your wickedness, it was my wickedness that put Jesus to the cross. The good news is that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, sin, death, and the devil were also hanging on that cross. And like a glass jar is broken, sin, death, and the devil were also broken and crushed on the cornerstone. So that you and I can look at this cross. And as that cross falls on you and upon me, it falls on our pride and on our anger and on our cravings, and on our greed, and our lies, and our disobedience. All of our sins were crushed and paid for on the cross at Calvary. And today, our Lord and Savior says, when you come repentant, and you come to receive from me a gift, that only I can give to you. Receive my forgiveness in this bread and in this wine because it's so much more than that. I add my body. I add my blood to it so that it is here for you to forgive you and to strengthen you so that this day and every day you may rejoice and be glad, for this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it and share this good news with the people who do not yet know this or believe this. May God make it so. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes our human understanding. Guard and protect us in the Christian faith unto life everlasting. Amen.